Listening to the sermon podcast from Real Life on the Palouse, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. Good morning, Real Life. Good to see you guys. Uh, if you're joining us from the World Wide Web, good morning to you guys too. Glad you guys could be with us. My name is Adam McKeldry. I serve here as the associate pastor. Uh, and if this is your first time here, welcome. We are glad that you are here on this great day that we get to celebrate mothers. And maybe that's why some of you, that is your first time, is because you're with your mom today, and we appreciate your mom making you come here today. Uh, I've had a lot of pretty amazing women in my life, moms in my life. Uh, My mother, in particular, first comes to mind. She has not only helped dress me uh, since I've been growing up, but she, she was there as a kid, just trying to learn what it means to be a human being, and as a young man who's trying to figure out who he is to be there and support me. And then as a young father, married man, and a father at the age of 21, like I didn't know what I was doing. And my mom helped me and my wife through that whole thing. She has been pretty amazing. Thanks, mom. I love you. Um, and my wife, man, she is the bomb mom. Uh, like what she has been able to do for our kids for the last 20 years, the, the love and the sacrifice that I have seen her exude and live out for our kids, it makes me so proud to call her my wife and the, uh, the mother of my children. And even my mother-in-law has had her moments where she's been pretty good. I love you too, Linda. But I know that this day is, is difficult for some of us because maybe, maybe your mom has passed away and you're missing her today. Maybe you've never had a relationship with your mother and maybe you don't care to. Perhaps you've lost a child or have never been able to have a child of your own. And this day only brings about pain and grief. And my heart breaks for you guys. But I want you to know that you guys, you ladies, are seen as well. Your life can have an amazing impact to everyone around you, even if you don't have the title of mom. So thank you, ladies. Thank you if you are a mother Thank you if you are about to be a mom. Thank you if you are a spiritual mom to those who are in your life. We could not do it without you guys. Thank you very much. All right. So let's let's dive back into the text here. We've been going through uh, 1 Corinthians, one of Paul's letters to his church in Corinth that he planted. And so far what we've been seeing is that Paul is addressing a pretty big issue within this church from the get-go. He has seen division and a lack of unity between the believers. And in particular, he was pointing to this issue where they are arguing about who is the best teacher, who is the best preacher that has come to their town and and taught about God. 
And last week, as we started to work through chapter 3, we saw Paul's frustrations kind of come out as he called them a bunch of babies. It's like, you guys, you've just been, you're like spiritual infants in Christ because you're arguing about these silly things. He's like, don't you guys realize that we're just regular dudes? We're just regular guys just serving God, doing what he has called us and equipped us to do. And he gives these really cool analogies about how, like, he just plants a seed and Apollos waters it. Or he compares himself to a master builder who has laid the foundation, which is Jesus Christ, and others are building on it. But in each instance, he says, God is the one who does the real work. God is the one who causes the seed to grow. God is the one who will test the work of the building. And he, he just calls them back, continually back, that this is, this is God's business. We are just co-workers with him. We are just in the business of working alongside God. So today, we're going to pick up right there in chapter 3. But before I read uh, our text from today, I just want to point something out. For three and a half chap- uh, chapters of this letter, Paul has been encouraging them to think about their unity as a body. Talking about how they are being divided over a silly thing like personal preference and personality preferences when it comes to teachers. Because the thing is, is that very soon in this letter, we're going to see Paul have to address some really, really difficult things that this church is faced with. They're about, they, they wrote a letter to him, remember, and they have questions. And so we're going to see some of the issues that they are dealing with that he wants their help, that they want his help for. But also, he's getting reports as to what's going on. Things like a son who is sleeping with his father's wife, and the church is okay with it. Things like believers suing one another, taking one another to court, and that was a public thing, so they were there in front of everybody having this court session. Or like men in the church who were still going to the temples, the pagan temples, and having sex with the temple prostitutes there. And those are just the issues that come up in chapters 5 and 6. There's 16 chapters in this book. So Paul is very adamant about calling the church back to their foundation, Jesus Christ. He's very adamant about calling them back to being unified in that truth of whose they are. He wants them to remember the message of the cross that they brought to him. They want, he wants them to remember who they are. And in this next few verses, our main passage from today, Paul's going to give them another picture, a picture of who they are and who they are to God. So let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Verse 16. Don't you know 
that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple. And I think for some of us, we miss the significance of what Paul is saying here. Because we don't really have a great comparison in our day and our time for a temple. Sure, we have church buildings and we have grand cathedrals that have, were built centuries ago, but that is not the same thing. Those pale in comparison in my, in my mind as to what would be going through these believers when they heard those words that you are the temple of God. So what I want us to do, I want to spend a little bit of time here talking about what the temple was, what would have been for them and for people for centuries before them. So you see, the temple was more than just a fancy building where people would go to worship their God. The temple was a sacred place where the existence of heaven and earth overlapped. It was that God's home on earth. His or her presence was in that building. And you know, you can, you can know a lot about a person or a homeowner just by going into their home, right? Like if I invited you guys over to my house, like the, the first thing that you would notice is this is really well decorated. It's cute. It's got a consistent theme throughout. Adam must have had nothing to do with the decoration of this house. So you would know my wife is an amazing decorator. But as you walked into our living room, you might notice on the wall we have several pictures of my son. We lovingly call it our shrine to Isaiah. But there's pictures of him when he was a baby and his senior picture and his picture from his first year at West Point and this nutcracker dressed like a West Point cadet. And you might think, wow, did their son die? He's still alive. He's okay. But your second thought might be, as you looked around the rest of the house and did not see a similar setup for our daughter, they obviously love their son way more than they love their daughter. And it's true. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm sure when she moves out in a couple years, she'll have her own shrine on the wall. But you know what I mean, right? When you go into someplace, house, somebody's house, you get a sense of who they are just by spending time where they live. And the same goes for the temple. If you were to walk in with one of those temples in the city of Corinth, you might see a priest handing out free meat to people who are in a line. The meat that had just been sacrificed on the altar that you could probably see. And maybe you might see an animal being sacrificed on that altar. You might see people being given free health care on the side of, of the building. Or perhaps you'd see a priest in the corner teaching people about who that God was. 
Or you might see something a little more crazy. Maybe you would see a priest hosting and engaging in a perpetual party, doing all kinds of unspeakable things. No matter what you saw, everything that happens within that building is to give you a picture and understanding of who that God is that lives there. So that when you walked out from your time in that, in that temple, you could be like, oh, wow. Man, that, that Apollo God, he is super generous. Look, you see all the things that he gave to his people. Or maybe you're like, man, that Aphrodite, she's crazy. She is a crazy partier. She will do anything. It was a place to see and experience that God. And if you noticed, there was something, or should I say someone, who was present throughout that whole experience. And that's a priest. You see, a priest is a representation of what a God was like. It was their job to be a mediator between the God and you. They were the physical representation, a physical manifestation. They, they were the hands and feet of that God. They were authorized to act on that God's behalf. Their, those priests were putting their God on display. For everybody who walked in there, visitors and worshipers alike, they would see a real life in the flesh example of who that God was, a reflection of the one who lived there. So do you see, do you see how this might be a crazy, crazy thought for Paul to give to these people? Because they knew what temples represented it was their life. They were surrounded by temples in Corinth. You remember a few weeks ago, we showed you some pictures of uh, ruins that are in the city of, of Corinth. They knew what a temple meant. And for them to be compared to that, it must have been astounding. Because Paul was like, God does not have a physical temple for people to go to, you are that temple. And when he was saying you are that temple, he wasn't talking about you are individual temples on your own. Because the language he uses in that text is plural. When he says you, it's a y'all. All y'all, as they say in the South. So I'm told. All y'all are the temple, the one temple of God. And we see that consistently through Paul's writings as he's writing to different churches later on in this letter and then in some other letters when he he refers to the people of God as God's temple. It is a sense of plurality that we all make up the one temple of God. Peter, in his letter to the churches in Asia Minor, 
He uses this same analogy, and I really love the picture that he paints. So I want to go over to 1 Peter and read it how he does, how he puts it. This is 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 4. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also are like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone. And the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. And they stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you, all of you, are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who calls you out of darkness into this wonderful light, Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. I want you guys to do something for me. Look back at this wall over here. As you look at this wall, if you looked at this wall from a further distance away, it would look like a giant, one giant block wall. But what happens as you draw closer to it? As you draw closer to the wall, you notice that there are individual blocks joined together to make that wall, depending on one another in order to stand firm where they are. But those blocks have no breath in them. Those blocks are not living stones, even though they're unified. They're accomplishing their purpose of being a wall. But that's it. They do not have the Holy Spirit living within them. Not so with us. See, we are breathing. As Peter says, if you have come to Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit living in you, giving you breath, making you a living stone, just like he is. And we living stones have a purpose, just like this wall. 
One that includes us forming unified walls for the temple of God, for the Holy Spirit to live within that temple, within us. And as Peter says, to be his royal priesthood as well. Do you remember what that means to be the priest? We we are living, breathing representations of what our God is like. We like to use a phrase around here, putting God on display. This is where that comes from. As the priests, as the temple of the Most High God, the God of the universe, it is our responsibility to put him on display to one another within the building and to those who are outside as well. So that when people walk away from an interaction with you and I, they say, man, that is a God that I think I could believe in. That's a God I think I could follow. Because that was a God who saw me. That was a God who loved the unlovable. Because that is a God who forgives the unforgivable, who shows mercy, who shows grace. And that is a God who is worth following. But this is only possible when the living stones, us, are actually unified. I'll show you guys a picture. This is the temple of Athena in Priene, just outside of Ephesus where Paul is writing his letter to the, the Corinthians. At one time, this was one of the grandest temples in all of the ancient world, set on the coast so that you could see it from miles away. It was an amazing sight to behold. But look at it now. Those stones are not living. Those stones are not unified. Could you imagine if there were still priests here trying to work this temple, trying to put Athena on display, arguing about whether or not they should try to put the temple back together, arguing about which stones go where and how they should put it there, or in fighting if a stone should even be used in that place at all. What message would that send to the people that were coming to that area? Would you think that Athena was a god that even lived there? Would you think that she was somebody worth your time and your worship based off of what you saw from her priests and her temple? This is what Paul is calling his people back to 2,000 years ago in this letter. And still calling us to today. Don't you know 
that you all are the temple? Don't you know that you all together are the place that God makes his home on earth? The place where heaven and earth collide. Don't you know that we are the place that people come to find out who he is? And when we don't get along, when we don't get along, when we're divided, the presence of God is hidden and the power of his message can be lost. So what is it that we do? How can we possibly stay united through all kinds of things that will come up? Well, I think I have an answer for you. And this is a bonus text because it won't be in your notes or on the, the screen here. But this is Paul again in the book of Philippians, a letter he writes to the church in Philippi. And here's what he says. Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Therefore, if you have any encouragement, any, from being united with Christ, from being one with him, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value yourselves, uh, sorry, value others above yourselves not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset of Jesus Christ. What would Jesus do? Who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Unity happens when we imitate Christ. We imitate the way that he lived his life while he was here on earth. When we value others above ourselves. When we do not seek our own interests when it stops being about me and instead becomes about we, 
This is the beginning of us being able to be unified and putting our God on display well. And when we start there, when the small things and the big things come up that could divide us, we will have a foundation. A foundation on Jesus Christ and through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can be able to stand as one. And tell our world and one another, this is the God that we serve. This is who he is. This is what he invites you into. I want us to take time now to go towards communion. If you didn't get a chance to grab your your cup and stuff, there will be ushers in the back that you can grab stuff from. If you're new with us, we do this every week and we have what we like to call an open table. And what that really means is that you don't have to be a partner or member or even regular attender at real life to take communion with us. If you have made that decision to come to Jesus and become a living stone like him that's being built into his house here on earth, I'd love for you to celebrate with us today. And I was wondering as I was thinking about this today what it might have been like for Jesus that that night that he was sitting around the table with his guys a ragtag group of guys and gals. I mean, none of them would have been there if it weren't for Jesus. Every one of them had different thoughts. It came from different backgrounds. Fishermen and tax collectors and zealots. They had differing opinions. They, they had different ways of, of thinking of things and they argued about stuff all the time. But Jesus brought all those different people together to be as one. And he has brought this ragtag group of people here as well, together. And through the power of his Holy Spirit, we too, even though we are different, can be one just like those guys were. So on that night as he was looking at those, those guys, as he's looking at us today, he took the bread and he broke it and gave it to them. He said, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us remember together. And then after the meal, he took the cup, said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink in remembrance of me. Let us remember together. Father God, I, I want to thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for your Holy Spirit because without you leaving him here with us, none of this is possible. Us walking in unity and putting you on display well to our, to our community and to our world, not possible. 
if we were doing it on our own power. Father, I pray that you're, that as we, as individual stones come together to be built in your house, Lord, that we will remember that we are one in you. Lord, that we will fight not one another, but that we will fight to stay together. That we will fight to let your, let your spirit live through us and put you on display. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us by visiting liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, have a great week.